This past Monday, August 8th, we celebrated the Feast of St. Dominic. And we know a lot about St. Dominic. We know about his life, how he lived in the 13th century. And while all of those details that we can study are important, I'd rather go to the sacred art that actually depicts who St. Dominic was. Now, we can look at statues and we can look at paintings and we can discover the person and the, character, the human figure of who St. Dominic was. But I want to point out a detail that's often subtly there, but often overlooked. Because St. Dominic is usually there, but there's often a picture of a dog that's not too far away from him. And that dog is holding within its mouth a burning torch. Now, this isn't a sight that we see every day. What does it mean? Well, theologians in all of the modern day, they go back to the fact of what he was about, that St. Dominic, in fact, was a great and tremendous preacher, in fact, in establishing an order of preachers. And it's such a great privilege and uh, behold, to behold what he did, because and whenever we talk about him, we talk about the way that he spoke, the way that he preached, that so often it was like arrows that were on fire that seldom ever missed their target, that he often preached with such zeal and with such conviction that he went out indeed was setting the entire earth on fire. And that's what that dog and that burning torch symbolized, that St. Dominic was going out and that he was preaching, that he was trying to set the earth on fire. And we also behold in the gospel a very similar theme, because we're told that Jesus himself wants to go out and set the earth on fire, and how he wishes it were already blazing. What exactly does that mean? Why is he telling us that he wants to go out and set the earth on fire? What is that encouraging us to do as a people of faith? And we can start to answer that question by going to the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Because in the book of the prophet Jeremiah, we're actually hearing about something that happened to Jeremiah today. Oftentimes, we're hearing about his message, how he was going out and preaching repentance, and then even speaking about the hope that Jesus was trying to provide, and the Lord wished to lavish upon his people. And yet, there's something else at play here. Because Jeremiah is telling us about the point in time where the people become so exhausted with his message of repentance and conversion that they throw him into a cistern. And we're told that it's a dry cistern, but a cistern nonetheless, and that he sinks into the mud and simply waits his demise there. But what happens in the midst of that time? One of the king's servants approaches him and he says, let's pull Jeremiah out because the intention is to kill him and to silence his message and likely he's going to die anyway because of the famine that's in the city. And so the king gives him that permission. He sends him off with three other servants to pull Jeremiah out of that cistern. But what exactly is this encouraging us to do? We'll get back to that in just a moment. But let's move on for a moment to the letter to the Hebrews, because here we're encouraged to listen and to see the ways that we're being called to follow the Lord and to imitate him in a specific way. So we're actually invited in to see the way that Jesus suffers and dies, that he lays aside every burden and every encumbrance because he wants to seek life, not just for himself, but rather for each and every one of us. But the letter to the Hebrews is encouraging us to pick up that similar example. But we've got something else that we have to contend with. 
and that is the battle of sin. That that's our burden, that that's what we're constantly fighting against, and that's something that we have to continue to endure against, that we have to persevere in fighting against as well. Because we're reminded that this is important, it's part and parcel of what it is to be a Christian and to live out the Christian life well. That is something that we have to do to imitate the Lord, the way that he pushed sin aside with his death on the cross and with his subsequent resurrection. We have to fight it in a very real way because we ourselves struggle with sin. But then the letter to the Hebrews also reminds us of something else. Because in that struggle, as much as we might have to deal with the same sins over and over, time and time again, that we have to go back to confession with the same list and the same litany of things, that we still haven't struggled to the point of shedding blood. And that's an important reminder to us of the life that Jesus lived, that he did endure to the point of shedding blood. And that that's, in, that's in fact an encouragement for us to live and to put aside every wage of sin, but to rather to endure and to persevere, to see the ways that we're being called to follow Christ and to follow his cross. But then we finally move on to the Gospel of Luke, and then we hear this message of Jesus, that he wishes to set fire to the earth and how he wishes it were already burning. And then it continues to go on, but he also encourages us to hear the truth of the message that he speaks, that he's not coming to speak a message of peace, but rather one of division. And this is important because so many times in his day and age, there were false prophets walking around, and what was their message? Their message was of peace, that it was of reassurance, that it was simply leaving the status quo where it was, and simply living and let live. That, in fact, all of those false prophets were speaking a message that was not true. And so Jesus is setting himself apart. He's trying to tell them that something new is at play here. And so he starts to go through a litany of different relationships that could possibly be strained because of this message, because of what he's trying to get them to do, that message that he's getting, trying to get them to hear, but even that fire that he wants to set within their hearts. That all of these different relationships might experience this strain and this struggle because the message that he's speaking is so radical. But as we go back, we should consider that as Jesus is speaking about this fire, how he wishes the earth were already on fire, what exactly does he mean? Because there's a couple of different ways we could take it. One is a very negative way, that we could see it as the fire of God's wrath coming down to consume everyone involved in sin and enslaved and encumbered by that evil. That we could see it that way and that Jesus is coming to set the entire earth on fire to simply wipe it clean and to start over. But there's something deeper at play here. That it's not God's wrath necessarily that's taking root here, but it's rather that fire of the Holy Spirit. It's that fire of conversion and that fire of faith. Because Jesus is speaking about something that's more important. He's speaking about conviction. The fact that someone who is invested in what they're saying should be on fire. That in colloquial terms and in our common language, we often speak about people being on fire or being fired up. The ways that they go out and they speak a message with boldness and with conviction. And that, in fact, is what Jesus is doing here. Because that is what makes sense whenever we see that he's not speaking a message of peace, but he's rather speaking a message that's going to cause division. Because it almost seems like Jesus is becoming a warmonger, that he's looking for violence, but that's not what he's doing. But rather, he's looking to speak the message of truth, the message that everyone needs to hear. 
And that's what he's trying to speak, because if we think about it, the person that's at peace or simply living as a pacifist, they don't really believe in what they're saying, or they simply don't have a message that they think is worth speaking. But Jesus has a message that's worth speaking and worth hearing. And that's what he's trying to get the people to understand, that his message is going to cause division because it's going to cause people to take a stand, because it's going to cause change. It's going to be something that's radical, that's something that is life-changing. And he's not speaking a message that's optional, but something that's very mandatory for everyone to hear. It's not live and let live, but it in fact is live or die by this rule, by what Christ is speaking. And that's why he's saying that there will be division, that there will be this confusion and chaos, because he's speaking something new. He's speaking something of conviction. He's speaking of faith. And if we're truly convicted ourselves, it's going to change our entire life. But the question, are we on fire with faith right now? Because if we're not on fire with faith, it becomes so easy to live and let live, to see the different ways that people believe or even lack belief, and we're not filled with enough fire to go out and speak words of peace and the words that people need to hear. If we're not truly on fire ourselves, we're simply going to let people live as they want to, and we're not going to speak the truths of the gospel, and we're not going to speak about what Jesus wants them to hear, about his passion, death, and resurrection, and about his love for everyone. Because if we don't believe that message, we're not going to be filled with that fire. We're not going to be filled with that conviction. We're not going to go and speak about what Jesus wants others to hear. And that's what he's speaking first. Because he wants us to be invested. He wants us to experience that fire, that conviction that we hold the truth and we hold the gospel and we hold what other people need to hear, that every one of our brothers and sisters, especially those outside of the church, need to hear. But are we willing to speak that? Because if we're not, likely we don't have that fire first. And don't hear me incorrectly that at times faith might feel like it is not on fire, that oftentimes we might struggle to live out our faith well or to experience that relationship with Jesus Christ. That's not what I'm speaking about, but rather the fact that we know that we have the truth, especially in the times when it might not feel so good. That if we believe in the message of the gospel, that we have the sacraments, that we have all of these truths in the teaching of the church, then we should be filled with this passion, with this conviction that we're going to go and speak to others about it. But then we move on and we see St. Paul, or not St. Paul, but rather the letter to the Hebrews, that we're continued to be reminded of the fact that whenever we're filled with this fire, it's going to give us that spirit of conversion, that even sin and every burden that might afflict us in an evil way should be put aside, that if we're filled with that fire and with that conviction, that we're going to start to look for those things that don't mesh and aren't compatible with our faith. We're going to start to put them to the side. That's what the letter to the Hebrews is reminding us, that oftentimes it's going to be difficult to live this faith out, that it's going to be really challenging to remove from our hearts and our souls those things that get in the way of our relationship, but it's certainly worth it, because he reminds us that we're not filled with that passion or with that conviction without reward. Because we aren't going to be challenged past our capacity, especially by the grace of God, but rather we should be continuing to endure and to persevere, no matter the cost, because we're so filled with that love and that relationship in Jesus Christ. But then finally we can go back to the first reading and look at Jeremiah, because 
at the beginning, we looked at the outside, the people that were looking in at Jeremiah, and they saw someone to be dealt away with, that they saw someone that was challenging their very belief, and so they begin to wonder, what are we supposed to do with him? And they cast him aside. But what about Jeremiah's point of view? Because if we think about it, he's cast into the depths of the earth, that he's cast into the cistern, and so much so we would expect that he would experience this frailty, or even this wonder, have I done something wrong? Is my faith in vain? Why is God leaving me here? And yet we see that the Lord comes to him in the midst of that plight, in the midst of that affliction, and even lifts him out of that depth. That even in that darkness, whenever people aren't listening to his message, that he lifts him up out of there, and he continues to give him that hope and that peace that he wishes to provide. And this is the true and lasting peace. This isn't the peace that Jesus is speaking about, not just the status quo, but this is rather that peace of living in Jesus Christ, that it's that reassurance that we live in love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so as we hear about what happened to Jeremiah, it's actually a moment for us to consider the different relationships in our life. Because so many times it can be so difficult to speak the truth to others because we feel that they're not going to hear it well. Or we might even fear that at some level we might start to feel like the prophet Jeremiah, that we might start to be rejected or kind of cast aside. But is the fire of faith still going to endure in our hearts? Because Jesus is reminding us that as important as these relationships might be to each one of us, it's still far more important to have that fire of faith and that conviction that we hold the truth and that we're in relationship with Jesus Christ. That if we hold on to those things, it doesn't matter what happens to us. It doesn't matter the level of affliction or what we have to endure or our own crosses that we have to carry. But in fact, if we hold on to this truth and we hold on to God our Father and our faith in Him, then it's not going to be as much of a trouble as we think. But in fact, we're going to be lifted up out of those depths and we're going to be given the courage to speak those words of truth and to challenge one another to live out our faith well, especially those that might be most difficult to speak to. But the question for us to consider with that, how many different individuals in our life can we identify that we need to speak the truth to, that we need to be filled with that fire of faith and we need to be filled with that fire of conversion to go forth and to speak that message that they need to hear? Because as we celebrated the Feast of St. Dominic this past week, it actually gave us a moment to reflect because St. Dominic was very bold and very passionate about what he spoke, and so much so that he established an entire order dedicated to one thing, preaching the fire of faith, preaching this conviction and this conversion in faith. And they continue to do so even in our midst this day. But it's a challenge to live that way because we see that fire, we see that conviction that Jesus wishes us to have. Sometimes it's difficult to live it out, but we know it's definitely worth it if we truly believe in God our Father, His love for us, and what He wishes to provide for each and every one of us, especially in eternal life. But that's the challenge, to live out that fire of faith, to live out that conviction well, so that no matter where we are and no matter the affliction that we endure, we in fact will be safe because of our faith in God. Jesus reminds us, I wish to set the fire to the earth and I wish it were already burning. It's our place now to continue to take that fire of faith and to give it to one another, especially our brothers and sisters most in need of that light.
So my brothers and sisters, as we go forth this week, let's continue to enkindle that fire and that faith and that conviction that we have in the truth of the gospel. But most importantly, let's go out and speak the words of truth to our brothers and sisters, especially those in most need of that fire and that light that we have in our faith.